our message today, we're going to be in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the Old Testament. And you can start turning there if you'd like, and we'll have it on screen. We'll be in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We'll be also uh, spending a little bit of time at some point in the book of Ephesians, but we're going to start in Daniel chapter 10. We want to talk to you a little bit today on something that is difficult for some in North America, I guess you would say. Maybe you could maybe say Western cultures. We often hear the term in recent days or follow the science, and it's about the science, and we want the proof text, and we sometimes it's easy for us to to forget that there is spiritual realm out there, that there's a spiritual warfare that's going on out there. And you might not, you might struggle with that yourself, or you might be, you might wonder about that yourself, but have you ever, have you ever come into a room and you thought something's not right, this is, there's an oppression in there, there's a an evilness almost in there, maybe not. Maybe you haven't felt that, but have you ever been in a church service where you can sense the Spirit of the Lord and it's different than going to a concert and everybody's happy? We might talk about some of those things in a few minutes, but you think about that, that sensing the Spirit of the Lord, and we talk about the Spirit, and we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we, we talk about prayer, and in Ephesians we talk about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. But in Daniel 10, we, we, we get a little bit of an unfolding of some of that. So we're going to read for you the entire chapter in Daniel 10. Because it kind of tells the story. It, it lays the context. But I want you to watch for the language in there that talks us about this other the spiritual, uh, spiritual realm, we talk about spiritual warfare, and that it's something that's real. Daniel chapter 10, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true. But the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. Euphaz. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone, saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. 
For I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was returned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking the words, this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For, what the, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. I come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he spoke in such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. Suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision... My sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace to you, be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now this is kind of an interesting vision. And, and the part we're focusing on is this concept of this messenger, this person coming to him with a vision. And he says, you know, Daniel's praying. And he says in verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, from the first day, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words, Verse 13, 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. See, we talked about the multiple weeks that Daniel had been waiting. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Daniel had been praying... And immediately there was a response, but the response was delayed by the prince of Persia. You've got to think about this for a minute. This angel of sorts has appeared to Daniel. 
And what delayed him in his arrival? He was delayed because of who opposed him? The prince of Persia. The prince of Persia. And he was left there alone until who came? Michael. This is likely Michael the archangel. Can you see here we're not talking about the literal king of Persia. We're talking about in a heavily in, in a spiritual realm. We have fallen angels, and we have the angels still following God. And so there's a strife that's going on, and Daniel's in prayer, and because of his desire, this messenger's on his way, but he's resisted because of the prince of Persia. And how, does they, how do they overcome that? Michael comes. Michael comes. So there's these opposing forces. There's opposing forces. And so we're going to come back to Daniel, but I want to remind you what we said and read to you in Ephesians 6, 10. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There was a battle going on and the prince of Persia was resisting. That's why prayer is important. It's why we put on the full armor of God and we have the power of the Word of God. Because there is a spiritual battle that takes place. There is the spiritual realm. We don't completely understand it. But it's out there. And if we continue to verse 20 of Daniel chapter 10. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. The prince of Greece will come. Now, I'm not a scholar in world history. But the prince of Greece, this is the influence the Greeks have on Israel. That's coming. To oppose them. And who's, who's in the spiritual realm, part of that opposition? It's the prince of Greece. The prince of Greece. There's these opposing forces. And there's a battle. But I tell you the truth. Tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Michael's defending. Michael's on your side. 
And we can find in, in other parts of the Bible about Mark, Michael the archangel. There's these battles going on. These influences going on. And we see things going on here on earth, but there, there's this battle. That's who we're warring against. We need to realize that. And God is a spirit, and we worship in spirit and in truth, but we pray. That's why prayer, prayer means something. Because we can't be the many miles. You know, we might want to go to someone and comfort, comfort them in their time of loss, or we might want to reach out to someone, but we can't be there, but we can, we can pray and the Holy Spirit can be there. God can send angels there to fight in those battles. Have you ever been in those places? You ever been to a funeral where it feels so dark? Have you been to the funerals where it's full of rejoicing and the uplift of the Spirit? You ever been someplace and it's like God's telling me I got to leave. I got to get out of here. Because the Holy Spirit is letting you know that you need to leave. But there's other places where you can go and there's such an oppression. I visited with some of our missionaries on the, text, on the uh, American Indian field. Um, Steve Cartwright. And... He talked to me, some people don't understand it. You go out there and there's certain of the, uh, of the fields, uh, the reservations you might go on. And then, you know, they have their medicine men and things like that. And you go there and once you get on the border, it, there's, there can be an oppression once you get into that reservation. He, he tells the story of someone was, I, I, he might have given me the name and I don't recall it, but I probably wouldn't share it anyhow. But they came down there and they tried to tell them you know, that there's just some of these things, and it's like, well, you know. So they went on this reservation, and you, know, you might be sitting on the reservation and, and this, you know, have someone, a medicine man, come over, and they're sitting eating, and he's got his little packet of spells and things that he wants because he's trying to oppose the Christians. And they, evidently, they went on one of these reservations, and, and, um, uh, the gentleman learned and felt the oppression as he went on to the reservation. He didn't believe that there were such a things and didn't quite understand the spiritual warfare and things were going on. And then, and then they left the reservation and he felt all right and he, he explained it to the missionaries that he was with and they says, we thought you understood. Once we cross over the reservations, we start praying and we don't stop until we come back off. There's a spiritual battles that's going on. And our weapon, our weapons aren't, you know, we talk about doing programs to reach people and we want to do those different kinds of meaningful activities and we try to help people. But we have to remember there's also a spiritual battle that's going on. Have you ever been in a church service and, and you're attending this church service and the Holy Spirit is present, and you feel in the presence of God, and then somebody gets up and testifies. But their testimony isn't about Christ and what he's done. They start testifying about themselves or 
they go down a path they shouldn't go, and all of a sudden, have you ever felt this? You can sense the Spirit's grieved in the... It's as though the Holy Spirit's left the room. Because we sense the Spirit, and, and people try to manipulate things, or maybe they try to, to say things, and they draw present attention to themselves, and they weren't glorifying God anymore, and so the Spirit said, I'm out of here. And you feel the Spirit leave the room, but maybe you've been in the other kind of service where the Holy Spirit moves, and you can sense Him moving like a wave across the group. And the minister gets up and he's, he's preaching or he's talking and I've been in camp meetings and, and people are coming to the altar and praying. And then those people get up and nobody says anything and then there'll be another group of people and they'll get up and they'll come down the altar and pray. The Holy Spirit's drawing people to himself. We can go up here and say all the fancy words we want, but when the Holy Spirit starts drawing, the, the person that was, it was Dan Tipton, and he was... He was, he was our general superintendent at the time, and it was the general camp meeting. He says, I know enough, but when the Spirit's moving, I just need to. And so he just stood up there, and he looked at the people, and he was just waiting. And people would come to the altar, and other people would come to the altar and get help from God. The Holy Spirit was in charge of the service. But see, when those things are happening, sometimes we want to get in, and, and it's best to just let God have his way. See, he draws people, and we pray for people, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would shake them up, and he can, because there's a spiritual battle that's going on, and, and people get drawn, and maybe we want to have people in, maybe, maybe we have to do, maybe there's some fasting and praying that we have to do, like Daniel did. But we have to be reminded when we can't get to someone that we can pray. Have you ever been awakened in the middle of the night? I mean, sometimes we... We might be anxious people or we might be uh, worrisome or things like that, but there's other times that maybe you're not, you get woken up and a particular name comes to your mind. It's not even a family member. This has happened to people and they feel like, I need to pray for so-and-so on the mission field. And they're praying and they're praying. I know I've had those kinds of prayers where I'm praying for someone and they come to my mind. And then the Spirit gives me the okay that I can stop. And nobody's ever reported to me that I recall of the times of when I prayed, but I know other people, when they prayed for a missionary or somebody in a certain situation, they're like, oh, I just went through this situation and God did something in our life and we, we were saved from whatever was happening on the mission field. Sometimes it's been, you know, when the, the tribes were warring or something and they start connecting the dots, and here it was. Someone was called to prayer and was obedient. They went to prayer at the same time. The crisis was happening around the world. There's battles that are happening in the spiritual realm that we need to be engaged in. I know as a preacher I can come up and I, be, I can be preaching and I can sense, and I do the altar call and I can sense there's people that are struggling, and I, we engage in prayer for the people that are struggling because they need something from God. I know we can come down and you can pray with someone and you're praying and you're praying and you know the battles and then the Lord brings you peace and you know they've prayed through. They've prayed through. There are battles going on in the spiritual realm and there's spiritual warfare 
So you're like, what can I do because so-and-so so many miles away? I can't get there. And we forget that prayer actually can do things. Because we're engaging in the spiritual battle. We're engaging on that spiritual plane. And then we can reach all the way out there. You know, it's amazing what prayer can do. If I'm missing something or I can't find something, sometimes I'll tell my wife, I think her prayers sometimes get answered faster than mine because then we'll find it. I lose a tool, I lose a bolt, I lose a something, you know, and I'm out there underneath the car and something's breaking. But he can be in the little things as I can't find my keys, I can't find that, I can't find this. But because it's, there's a spiritual realm and he's a spirit and they have the angels, he can send them and dispatch them. But there are opposing forces. This messenger was delayed for 21 days because of the prince of Persia. And what Daniel was being warned is now the prince of Greece is going to come. Basically saying then, there's another battle coming. But who's their prince? It's Michael. Michael. So, what I want to realize, you, realize today is that your prayers are important. But we also have to realize there is a spiritual battle. And the, the warfare, the armaments, the weapons of a spiritual battle are different than the weapons that we might have in our hands today. And so we talk about in Ephesians 6 that we need to put on the whole armor of God. We talk about salvation. We talk about the word of God being a two-edged sword, the piercing of soul and spirit. You ever been in service and it's still the Holy Spirit and you ever... You ever hear people say that message was just for me? Because the Holy Spirit inspired the message to be delivered. But then the Word of God is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in the Word of God itself. And so when we use the Word of God, we're using God's words. And then that power is what speaks. And that's, that power is what moves. And so we have to engage in God's word, it's not just words on a page, doesn't mean anything maybe to those that aren't following Christ. But the power of God's word can help us in our life and, and it helps us in resisting temptation. It helps us in those different aspects of life. It's not just a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge, it's a spirit knowledge. So be aware that there, is going, there are spiritual battles and spiritual warfare and you've probably sensed it. Be aware that you have to engage in it. Be aware you're not in it, to, uh, in it yourself. The Holy Spirit comes and, and there's angels fighting, but there's also an oppression. I don't know where it comes at and when it starts, but I look around in our society today and some of the things that are going on and some things people say and I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. We don't understand it, we don't look at it, but how prevalent is demon possession in our world today? There is evil. 
there is a spiritual battle. We shouldn't be naive. But to engage in the battle, it's not going to just take, it's not just about head knowledge, heart knowledge. It's engaging in a spiritual battle with the tools that God has provided, his word, prayer, that we can engage in the battle with him and lean on him. Let's be standing together. Father God, as we we see things in the physical, we can't see things. We don't think we can see things. Maybe people are seeing things. But there is a spiritual battle out there. We think in the Old Testament as the servant came and the prophet said, open up his eyes so they can see that there's more with us than is with them. And he saw all the host. Lord, I pray that we would be minding that there is a spiritual battle that we don't completely understand. But help us to be engaged through prayer, through our Bible, through trusting in you. Lord, by having you in our lives, Lord, we just pray to Lord that we would just be obedient to you, that you would help us, that you would guide us, that we would recognize and we would prepare for the kind of battles that are taking place both in the spiritual and the physical. But just help us to be obedient to you in all things. And may you be pleased, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.